0: Angie, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faith Lift Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together, and we hope that you will enjoy your time with us.
1: So, in the previous episodes, Nehemiah had to deal with the outside opposition and attacks, and the inside coming from within the people, the discouragement. And the um, fatigue certainly that was happening. But in this episode, he has to address the elephant in the room because this is actually what was something that was undermining the project itself. So, Tara, how about if you read a scripture?
2: Sure. I'm going to be reading um, Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, We and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, We have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and although our children are as good as theirs, yet Yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry in these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, As far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, "'What you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately, their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil.'" We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way may God shake out of their houses and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did as they had
1: promised. So let's identify first the two groups that are in opposition. Let's describe them.
0: So we've got the poor. Um, mm-hmm. One thing we know is that there was a famine going on mm-hmm. at this time. Um, and so it wasn't just the people that came back with Nehemiah, there were people living there. You know, they kind of were left behind when the um, nobles were taken captive. So there's. There are plenty of people that are living inside Jerusalem, inside the walls, and that are living outside in the surrounding area. With this famine, they're, they're not producing what they need to produce, um, and so there's hunger going on. And people are having to borrow money or mortgage their fields, mortgage their homes, some even selling their children into slavery um, as bond servants to get enough money to feed the rest of the family. Um, so there's that group, and then there are the nobles that are there, the wealthier people, the bigger landowners. And they are basically taking advantage of the poor. Mm-hmm. They're um, they're taking their kids as slaves, and they're charging them interest on whatever they loan them. They're also sometimes taking over their farms and their vineyards, taking possession of them. So that just leaves the people in even even worse condition mm-hmm. than they were in before.
1: So so even as they had these two groups, the important thing to note is they were all the Jewish people. But they're mm-hmm. all Jews. They were so, all yeah. Jews, yeah.
3: Um, yeah, these were the people that were supposed to be unified That's and right. supposed to be working on God's holy city, mm-hmm. um, and they're taking advantage. Um, Pretty I, shameful situation. It mm-hmm. is, but the reality of it is, this has been going on forever, and it goes on today. That's mm-hmm. true. It yeah. goes on today. I mean, there are... People and this doesn't happen just other places in the world. This happens here. This mm-hmm. happens now. This happens probably not in your neighborhood, but this probably happens within easily a hundred miles of you. Mm-hmm. No matter where you live, this is happening. Is there are people who are taking advantage of those that are less fortunate? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, like farm laborers, um, live. Where it's inexpensive, um, which is typically not close to a big industrial area, um, and I just talk about this because I was—I'm from California, and this is something that is real. Um, especially, mm-hmm. I, I'm from a farming community, and this is real, and this is happening. And met some people that this just not too long ago, maybe six or eight weeks ago, um, that this is their reality—is they live in these um, little farm communities and they're out kind of in the middle of nowhere because land is cheap Mm -hmm. and it's easy to get to work. When you're um, a farm laborer, you're out and you're working hard and you um, aren't making a lot of money and so you live around people who work with you and you commute places and um, so if you need to get to the grocery store, if you need to get to the doctor, if you need to get to any of these places, a lot of times you don't have your own car, and so you have to find a ride. And the people who do have cars, and this is not everyone, of course, but um, often the people who do have cars will say, well, I can take you No problem, it's going to be $20 or $25, and... You know, for some people, it's just prohibitive. That's crazy Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. I mean, it just is nuts. Mm -hmm. There are some great organizations that, you know, go in and can um, help with food distribution and whatever. But, you know, even if you live in a big city, there are food deserts where your only options for food Mm -hmm. are. The gas station, the convenience yeah. store, the um and we have that in Detroit. Mm-hmm. We do. We yeah. have yeah. neighborhoods exactly. where there are no grocery
0: stores no. in the city of Detroit.
2: Which is why there's a lot of illness and there's a lot of obesity mm-hmm. and they can't get fresh vegetables or fruit at, you yeah. know, seven eleven, for no, instance. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: yeah. The kids are eating a bag of chips and a yep. and a big hostess, you know. Honey bun for breakfast. I mean it because that's that's all
2: there's available. That's right, right.
0: Yeah, Um,
2: I was in a ministry with a woman who um, we took uh, food and stuff to certain places, and that was something that I learned. It it was shocking to me when I was in the van and we went, um, you know, south of where I live and. And there were no grocery stores. And um, the woman that drives the van, Donna, uh, that's her ministry. She's like, no, there are no grocery stores. That's that's it. Like you said, they have to go to the gas station to get their food, and that's all they have. And so, let's say they can get a ride. The same thing. They don't have money to buy groceries and pay someone to give them a ride. They could take the bus, but the bus will take them. You know, like into an area where there is grocery store. But then they're limited because they can only carry mm-hmm. so much. So and anyways it's, very it's
3: time consuming. Yes. And it's yes. Yep. So, so this it is, is hard. This is a problem that was happening there, but mm-hmm. this is a problem that happens in real life now. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, we are hopefully not selling our children into slavery. But the reality of it is sometimes that happens. And Sometimes that happens here, yeah, which breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's terrible.
1: And Nehemiah's response was he was angry.
3: He was angry. Uh
1: He became really angry at, at what was going on. Part of when we see an issue like this with the elephant in the room is just opening our eyes. Like We may not be able to fix the food deserts that are happening, but we can open our eyes and we can see them. And we can see what's going on around us, and that's what Nehemiah did.
3: Right um in chapter 5 or 6 he says i was very angry mm-hmm. And I just, I read this, and I think, that has got to be the understatement of this injury. I was very angry. Very angry. Sounds so calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Wait, yeah. Suzanne, you've
2: got to put some anger in your voice. I don't think he says it like that. I was very, I think he's saying, I was really angry.
3: Probably. I, I, I would imagine he wasn't quite as passive as I'm saying that. Um, in my Bible commentary, it says, and I'm quoting here, sometimes it becomes necessary to express indignation against Social injustice. Mm -hmm. And as I'm reading that, I'm like, duh. You know? Hello. Right. Of course it's okay to express indignation over Mm -hmm. social injustice Mm -hmm. because that's how things get changed. That's right. And and part of that is seeing people right where they
1: are. And they're not they're not caring for their brother. They're not caring for the person next to them. And it can be really uncomfortable saying, this isn't wrong. This is wrong. This has to change. But that's the next
0: step. You see it? Then you need to say something about it. And Nehemiah wasn't shy. He confronted the nobles Mm -hmm. about their behavior
3: and the wealthy people. Yeah. He says, this is not right. Which again, I'm like something has got to be lost in translation because yes, it's
2: again in the way you're saying it that he did not say it like that. He said, this "What you wrong. are doing is not right." Think about how Shouldn't you sound with you your, your kids the when fear you're of telling God, You know, becoming a yeah. reproach to the
0: Gentiles. Is that right? So don't yes. yeah. tell yes. enemies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your I inflection think it's a little is more. far more appropriate I said, than Terry, mine. We got to get you like in the village players or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but a part of that is she's showing the indignation, mm-hmm. she's yeah. showing what's going on, um, and there's layers underneath this mm-hmm. that are also contributing to it. And one of them is there's a law against doing this. There is a law against doing this. When Jews lent money to their brothers, they were not to charge interest. That's right. So they had already had this law given to them. They knew better, basically. Mm-hmm. That's another piece of this.
3: They knew better, mm-hmm. and they have just come out of slavery themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And now they're enslaving their, own, their people? own people. I mean, what is, anyway, it's like these people are just banging their head against a wall. What is wrong with you?
1: Yeah, this was one of the reasons they went into slavery in the first yes. place. Yeah, yeah, seventy years ago, but that's not that far. From so, biblical terms.
3: Yesterday, or the the last episode, we talked about how there have been external forces coming against them. So they've had these physical attacks coming toward them. Mm-hmm. They have had some infighting. So there's, you know, they're in their own heads, mm-hmm. and they're tired. And on top of all of it, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're hungry and they're turning on each other mm-hmm. because they just they just can't get it together. So it's almost like they
1: had traditional forces against them too. This was built over a period of time. This happened over a period of 70 years mm-hmm. of of a Jewish brother taking advantage of a Jewish brother. And so wow, that's just what it is. That's just the way it is. That sister just tradition. Sometimes we have this outcry, like, no, that's not okay. But what we then have to fight is the traditions that have been put in place. And we have to say, no, I don't care what that tradition is. It's wrong.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Just because it always has been doesn't mean that that's doesn't how it, it s- should be. Right. right. So, yeah, exactly. Right.
1: So again, as we start to build our identity in Christ, as, as we start seeing this scripture impact us, we need to pay attention to are we doing things the way they, that we've always done them, but not necessarily the way God wants them. Mm-hmm. And so we need to open our eyes to that, and be willing to see the elephant in our own room, you know, the, the thing that's causing problems or that's undermining perhaps um, our walk with Christ.
3: Here's a question for you. And I didn't tell anybody I was going to ask this question. It just came to me. Oh, these Ooh. are the fun ones, guys. Ooh. Get ready,
1: because <laughs> nobody's going to say anything, and no, she's no, gonna sit
2: there. <laughs> Everybody's <I know>. going <laughs> to look at me. Like, hey, I already you know, know I am not
1: answering this, this so you all go
2: on. This is when the air signs happen.
3: <laughs> 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 do you have you ever had anything in life where it's you've done it because that's how it was always done, and then you realize that it needed to change?
1: Oh, Christmas!
3: I do that. I used to
1: do Christmas cards and try to write them out and send them. Then I realized, wait a minute, nobody knows that I'm doing this. So after Christmas, I started buying the cards like at 75% off. I would address them, write them... And put them away. And then when I brought out the Christmas decorations, I'd add in a picture, a little newsletter, and boom. Wow. It was, oh, it was like, brilliant. I was like, this yeah. was brilliant. That was brilliant. Now you know what I do? Yeah, I don't do Christmas cards. It worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, But it's like, I'd always, oh, I have to do it this way. I have to do this. Especially mm-hmm. when I was a young mom. That's what I thought I always had to do. I think it was harder when I was a young mom.
0: Well, yeah, we're still a little know. more worried about people pleasing or doing things the way we you know, been told we should do them. Right, because right? I have no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't know. I, I say to myself, what is going on? When my kids were younger, I did Christmas cards all, every year. I wrote them out, you know, handwriting, the whole thing. I did cross-stitch and needlework, and I did, you know, the the scrapping. I've always been the photographer in our family. Well, now with everybody's phone, everybody is. But um, I seem to have gotten a lot done when they were little, and now I'm like, I don't do...
1: <laughs> <laughs> the energy level
0: is a little
2: yeah, different that's, now, that's right. Terry. That's Come true. On. That's true.
1: Well... I'm going to go back to where I was with the Christmas. What The problem with it is I wasn't connected to Jesus. I was all into the task. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And I was way disconnected. Had a horrible Christmas. My kids weren't happy. I was like, okay, there's got to be a whole new way to do this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things are done differently. I um, We had
2: some Christmas traditions, too, that I held on to very tightly. And... Um, You know what, as the kids have gotten older, like mine are, you know, 37 and 39, and since our granddaughter came along, we've made changes, and it's not always easy for me because I want to stick to the traditions because I like them. I really like them. But some things just don't work anymore. My son's out of town. He has to come in from Chicago. Our granddaughter has our family. She has her dad. And so, you know, things those change. that has to change yeah. year to year. Things change there, and it's difficult. But um, change is good, they say. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what about you, Angie? Do you have anything? I'm trying to think.
0: Um You know, Dan and I have always lived away um, and raised the children away from our families just because of his job. So um, maybe I got off a little easy. We did a lot of things differently just because we could. Um, So we've had Thanksgivings where we've had like Kraft macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Um, Christmases, we kind of got to reinvent. I, I guess that's what it was. We had the freedom to sort of do what we wanted. And so we did make some changes mm-hmm. in a few things. Um, we're both pretty traditional, so we didn't get too far off the uh, beaten path. But um, but I do love some of those traditions. Actually, the older I've gotten, the more I cling to those things. Um, and my kids certainly want things done the way we've always done them. Mm-hmm. So
2: my daughter's like that. She wants to stick to the to the traditions. Yeah. Um, Greg, my husband, he doesn't care. Whatever. Whatever. And my son. It doesn't have to be. Last year, we had Mediterranean food for our Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. and we all loved it. It was yeah. like, yeah, I don't have to cook for a day. We carry, you know, I had carry out, <laughs> and it was yeah. great. Oh, yeah. That's getting way off track here. No. But, um. but no, I
3: love How about you, Suzanne? Well, think? we're in the same boat that Angie and Dan are. We got married, and ten days later, we moved across the country, um, and we've never lived close to anybody in our family. So it was it was just us mm-hmm. until we had our kids, and even then, it was then just the four of us. So yeah. we, um, I grew up in a family that was very close, and still to this day, once a month they get together and aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, oh, everybody, awesome. um, which is super great, yeah. and we certainly miss that, but. Um, The four of us have our own traditions. I mean, for for Christmas Eve, we eat sushi. Mm -hmm. Um, For Christmas Day, we eat tamales, which my husband is Hispanic, so that's kind of tradition for them. But um, we go to the movies on Christmas. Mm -hmm. We do too, and that's that's one of our things too. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just what we do. Um, But I think, like speaking personally and just outside of family, like Rosemary, when you were saying when you were like a young mom, that you felt like there were things that just needed to be done a certain way. And as my kids have gotten older, I've seen that I was that way a lot. Mm -hmm. I was that way a lot. In fact, um, I ran into a girlfriend whose kids are much younger than mine. And she was just having a day, and we were in Target, and she had her little one, and you know I could see she was ready to just pull her hair out. And I was like you give me that baby you go do your shopping and yeah. whatever and so the baby and i just walked around and i did my shopping while the baby was with me didn't bother me like if the baby <laughs> you want a bus i don't care i've been there done that mm-hmm. whatever move yeah. along you're fine yeah. so we talked and walked and i was picking up all my stuff and you know i got face wash and cotton balls and i don't know i probably threw a shirt in for one of the kids or something and then i wandered over and i Got my M&Ms and then I wandered through and I picked up a bottle of wine to go with dinner and then I did all these other things and I thought to myself, I probably would have been a lot better mom if I had felt that I had the freedom to buy the chocolate and the wine Mm -hmm. and the face wash and everything else while I was carrying a baby. And who cares if the baby's making noise? I mean, it's not like she's you know screaming her head off or whatever, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just think we put so many of those pressures on ourselves, yeah. um, and sometimes it's outside forces saying you need to be a certain way, but to go back to what God is telling us that we are to be. Mm-hmm. I think is
1: key. Yeah. So there's some traditions that need to be kept. Absolutely. That are there for a reason, and they are connected reasons. So I think kind of as I was talking about when I get into all the stuff with Christmas, I disconnect from myself, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and I we disconnect, tend to disconnect from disconnect God. From God. Yes. Yeah. And so that's kind of what was happening here, you know, with the Jews, is they were disconnected from what God's law was mm-hmm. to help them and protect them, mm-hmm. and that was talking about the um, usury.
3: With that, charging interest, right?
1: What was happening with that?
3: In
0: Leviticus, God had told the Jews um, that if they had slaves, they had to treat them like hired workers. So there had to be a level of respect involved and a level of good treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, every seven years, you had to set those slaves free so that they could go home to their families. Um, And then every 50 years, they called it the year of Jubilee, every debt had to be forgiven and forgotten, canceled, and property had to be returned. If you had taken property from someone um, and given them money for it, you had to give the property back every 50 years. So God was pretty specific about how He wanted His people to treat each other. So
3: none of these debts were to hold over from generation to generation. They should never have... had No, Right.
1: yeah, yeah, and if property was moved, it was moved within a tribe. It yep. had to yes. stay within the tribe. Even if like the female um, was able to inherit the property, she would have to mail with she would have to marry a male within the tribe of her father. So it would all stayed to that keep way. the property intact. I imagine it would have been really hard to find people who would be willing to be enslaved on year fifty one.
2: <laughs> just I know. I, I just thought, okay. So if you became enslaved on year six, you s- were you just there? But I'm like, okay, who's keeping track? Uh, this one came in in November of 2007. She but gets surely really- you
3: <laughs> would be because you keep track of your debts. Right. You keep sure. track of your house payment. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know. I only have. You know, Mm -hmm. 17 more payments until this is done.
1: done. Yeah. I've been imagining somebody who has a whole bunch of property and stuff like that, and everybody's going, I'll be a slave for six months. I'll be your slave. (laughs) How did that work? It's like what a great plan. Like I can just see people like twisting that a little bit, but Mm. but the peace with God, even there there's forgiveness. Even there there's a forgiveness Mm -hmm. of debt, a forgiveness of the situation, there's mercy. Mm -hmm. There's so much tremendous mercy in all of that. So, in the usury part, that's also the taxation. So, if, if I were to lend, let's say you, Angie, if I were to lend you money, I could not charge interest. If it was in particular with food, with um, lodging, I think, and material goods or something like that, it doesn't matter. And it, it, I could not charge you interest. And you could pay me back, but you would not have to pay interest on that. Right. However, if I was dealing with someone outside, mm-hmm. a foreigner, mm-hmm. I could charge as much interest as I want. Right. And I was reading at some point, it was like 50% plus. There wow. is some serious interest on some of these things.
3: Yeah. Right. And some of these um, where it says, you know, we have given our daughters up in slavery, that was collateral, yeah, like people were used as, as collateral. collateral. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's a big deal.
1: But that was the system they had to pay their debts at that time. Yes, and and I do want to mention this is different from the slavery that we experienced in American history. Yes, right. This was prob if you study more like Roman slavery and connected in with the no, it wasn't even Roman. I'm thinking it was still in use during the time of Jesus. But this well, probably started today. way back, yeah.
0: I mean, slavery is it's been a but it's, worldwide phenomena for all of history.
1: right. but the, in particular, what's happening today even is really distorted from what was supposed to what was the initial um, plan, I guess, for slavery here? Or...
0: Well, God doesn't want, you know, however the world was dealing with slavery, I think what he's doing here is he's saying, okay, I get it. you You live in the world." Right. And they're slaves. But you're not going to use slavery right. the same way that the world uses slavery. You're not going to subjugate your people, your slaves. You're going to treat them with some respect. You're going to treat them like a hired worker. Right, um, You're going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to let them loose every seven years. Right. Um, so he, he was trying... He, To separate his people, even in the midst of that culture of slavery, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, by requiring a few things to be done differently.
1: Yeah. But he never wanted Jewish people to enslave their own people. Other Jewish people. I was never a part Mm -hmm. of that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The Jewish people had been set aside by God Mm -hmm. as his chosen people. And again, this is all before Jesus and before. the Gentiles versus, you know, the the Jewish versus the Gentiles, because of the fact that um, once Jesus came and sacrificed Himself, then we all sins have been paid, all debts have been cleared, for. Jew and Gentile alike mm-hmm. But this is way, 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 way before then way. And these right. were the people who were chosen um, To be the lineage of Jesus That's right mm-hmm. You know, so these people had a big burden These weren't just happy-go-lucky you know, well, you know, whatever happens to us happens to us. This is like they have the bur I say burden because it is a heavy weight, but it's, um, I would think, a joyful burden. But they have the burden of carrying the lineage of Christ. So they are supposed to look different than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. they are supposed to live in a way that sets them apart from the mm-hmm. rest of the world. And so, when
2: people look at them, they're supposed to see a picture of God.
3: Right. And right.
2: here he's like, you know, you are doing what the world's doing. Yeah. You're making our God look bad. Making our God look bad. You're not, that's yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I misspoke earlier. The Jewish people could go into slavery, but it, there had to be a way out. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, the year of jubilee, Mm -hmm. or they had to be able to do it. What was happening here is people couldn't afford to bring people out of it Mm -hmm. because of the famine, because things were in such bad condition. Mm -hmm. So the response at that point isn't to to putting in that barter system um, and paying your debts through slavery. It's that the nobles should have been gifting them grain. They should have been giving them things so that they would be okay. Their job was to take on that burden, of their brother, and try to help them do that, and that is absolutely not what they were doing. So that's why this makes it even
0: worse. You have to wonder a little bit, too, if um, you know, part of the tithe, in the Old Testament, the tithe is a big thing, ten percent, and that went into the storehouse. And out of that tithe, all of the priests and the Levites, they were all taken care of, supplied with food and supplied with wine and whatever other needs they had, but also for the poor, I think. So if, if the people were not paying anything into the storehouse in the way of a tithe, then there was no safety net for the poor. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that burden was even greater on those nobles, on those officials that had resources, an even greater burden on them To take care of the people, because there really was—I don't—I don't imagine that there was um, the ability of the temple at that point to to
3: provide in the way that God had intended. Mm -hmm. We also have to remember that during all of this that's going on, the the taking advantage and the systematic taking advantage that had been going on for the years and years and years, they are now putting—you know—it's like an all skate everybody's in it, Mm, they're working on rebuilding this wall. Mm -hmm. And so the time that they would have been spending um, farming and the time they would have been spending, you know, making money in their trade, whatever that looked like, they're not doing that. Mm -hmm. They're spending that time and their efforts in building this wall Mm -hmm. and supposed to be rebuilding the city of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that just makes it even worse. Mm
0: -hmm. I think so too. You
3: know, because we're supposed to be unified and focusing on doing this great work. I mean, they call it a great work. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead, they're taking advantage and... And, and they're, they're
2: getting deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. Into That's debt. Right. That's right. Yeah. There's there's like, yeah, there's yeah. no way
3: out. They don't see a way out. Except for Nehemiah. But God, but God. Sends, but God. sends
1: Nehemiah. Yeah. And Nehemiah was pretty angry. He it was would, very angry would, because it was not
3: right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there you it go, really, Suzanne. You yeah. got
0: that in. It's a little crazy, too, that it's the same sin that got them sent into mm. exile in the first place. Yeah. So it's just history repeating itself over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. So, you know, I think something that maybe would apply to us is, do we have a tendency to fall into the same patterns, Mm -hmm. the same sin patterns as women, as people, um, that the Jews did? You know, are we apt to fall back into those same patterns of sin and those same patterns of bad behavior?
1: Yeah, because we've always done it. It's yeah. always been there. Mm-hmm. It's just the way I, I do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I liked with Nehemiah, what did he make him do? What did he
2: give make the people it do? it
1: back yeah. with interest. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> he made, and then he made them, he, was, he held them accountable because he made them come in front of the priests mm-hmm. and give the oath that they would do it. it. Oh, yeah. So he said, We're not doing this stuff in secret. Right. We're having this conversation and we're having this conversation now. And we are going to get it out and we are going to acknowledge it and we are going to make it right and we are going to move on and we are going to be done with this. So, the fact that he put it out there in the light, there is something hugely yes. powerful about I that. And so.
1: the same thing for us. If we find those patterns that you're talking about, Angie, is like if we find that we keep doing things over and over and over again, don't keep it in secret. Tell someone that can be trusted. Mm -hmm. and talk to them don't put it on
3: facebook or instagram or whatever like this is something if this is something you're really struggling with Mm -hmm. you need to have someone that can look you in the eye and say are you doing this still Mm -hmm. or are you not doing this still Mm-hmm. sometimes it's things we don't do that we're supposed to be doing. Right, yeah, and what, It could work either way. Mm-hmm.
1: And what that does is it creates a disconnection within us. And that's what was going on with the Jewish people as they were going to build this wall. There's this huge disconnection. Mm-hmm. And so restoring that, bringing it to the light of the day, saying this is what's been going on, no longer, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that is a way um, for people to get reconnected to God and to each other.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, we are um, we're about finished, like we're about out of time today, but at the end of this passage, um, Terry read <coughs> chapter five, verse 13. Would you mind reading that again real quickly? Mm-hmm.
2: I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, "In this way, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise, so may such a person be shaken out and emptied." It is a, a really huge scary. visual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can just imagine. Yeah, yeah.
3: Because we're not I talking like your bathrobe here, right? We're talking about the robes of royalty. Really, is kind of what it was. Because these
0: were nobles, officials. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
3: these are these are fancy clothes, mm-hmm. and they probably had a lot of decorative folds. And um, he's shaking it all out and saying, "Look, we're we're going to be done. Yeah, we're yeah. we're calling if it Can You do this again." This is what's going to happen to you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a powerful vigil. Vigil? vigil. Visual. Visual. Visual.
2: <laughs> we knew what you meant. Ooh. Yeah. And he had, he had the right to do that, and he had God on his side. So this is an oath not to Nehemiah. Oh, no. This is an oath Before to God, God. That, that you're going to keep it. You're not going to do that again.
3: Because they've not only been sinning against each other... But they have been mm-hmm. sinning against God. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when we we attended the large
0: group teaching this week, and um, one of the things that was said was that this after Nehemiah and the Jews in Jerusalem rebuild the wall, this is the last time that um, that they're taken into captivity again. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, so they learned their lesson. They changed their behavior. And um, well, until well, you get to the New Testament, until we get to and, the New Testament, you know,
2: then there's uh,
3: the tax collector. Well, then the Romans come back into play. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. But not only, I mean, they recognized it very quickly, and they said, mm-hmm. "Amen," and they mm-hmm. did, as and they, they said did as they, would. they said they will. Uh-huh. Yeah. May we all say, "Amen," and do oh, as we goodness. say we will. Yes.
2: Can you imagine the relief that these people have knowing their stuff is coming back to them they yeah. they don't have to struggle so hard and
3: that's maybe that's next time we'll talk about that later <laughs> that's awesome all right um angie would you mind praying for us you bet father we just thank you again
0: for the great privilege of being here together and to having you here your word it says father that where two or three of us are gathered that you're right there in the midst of us and mm-hmm. so we thank you that you've been here with us mm-hmm. this whole time um, and that you've been leading us and guiding us by your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you have given us so many treasures in the Word, um, not just a history book, but a way that we can live today, um, insight into um, how you made us and who we are and and how you want our lives to be. Father, I thank you for this lesson today about... Um, not working against each other, but working for each other, not opposing each other, but building one another up. Father, I thank you that you have made us the body of Christ because we're in your Son. Help us, Father, to really understand what that means, that we are all here united in purpose and filled with your Spirit um, so that we can accomplish those things that you have ordained for us. And so, Father, I thank you and praise you for this time. Thank you for all of the women that are involved in this, um, those sitting here and those that are listening to us. We ask your blessing, Father, um, on each one of us, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Amen.
3: And cut. (laughs) I <laughs> do <laughs>